Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Greatest Horror Movies list of all time. Damn it, I was doing so well the last few. You were doing so good. Uh, my name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm just dandy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, we had a little bit of a, of a mix em up. So well, we were supposed to do Wreck last time, but we just des- what we decided to because it was Halloween, we were going to do Fright Night. So now we're doing Wreck, uh, yes. the Spanish found footage horror movie uh, from 2007, which is number 144 on our list with an 89 percent rating, 89.411 percent adjusted. That's actually like the closest actual rating and adjusted rating I think we've had. Usually they're off by like a couple points. Yeah. This one is just like a couple tenths of a point or hundreds or whatever. I don't know. I don't know math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 0.411. Yeah. Um, yeah. Had you seen this one before? So I had not seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I even said that when we recorded a couple episodes ago. Um, but I have seen the English language the the English the American remake sure of this Which is and I had not quarantine, quarantine I believe, right yes. right yeah um and I had not realized that that was a remake of anything and mm-hmm. I had certainly not realized that it was a remake of Wreck so I started watching this and had a little bit of an existential crisis <laughs> because I was just like wait wait but the but the reporter is supposed to be blonde. And they're supposed to be in an American city. And this other thing is supposed to be different. But everything else is supposed to be exactly the same. Oh, my God, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> like, that was my thought process until I think I said something to you. And you were like, oh, no, no, no. There, there's an American remake of this called Quarantine. And I was like, yes. Okay. Thank that's, God. I have not totally lost my mind. That's interesting, though. That's a real Mandela effect of movies. Because everything <laughs> you're saying is like... <laughs> slightly to the left of this movie where the reporter she's yes. not she's not not blonde but she's not blonde blonde she's like a dirty you know highlighted blonde kind of color um and also i i am similar where i have not seen i i had a similar reaction where about five or ten minutes in i was like i know i've seen this story before but uh-huh. i can't remember if it was the english version or the spanish version and i'm pretty sure i saw quarantine and i didn't see this one yeah, yeah, and it's exactly what you were saying, where it's like everything is just slightly off center. Because mm-hmm. it's ident- it's almost identical. The movies are almost identical. Exactly. From what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's 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 almost precisely the same. Just like there are slightly different actors, like in terms of how they look, and and slightly different, just like tonally, and I, I don't know. But yeah, so that's that's my background. Had so you had you seen this one before? I had not seen this one. I had I had also realized I had seen Quarantine, but I had not seen Wreck. So I think, honestly, mm. they're so similar that if I had seen both of them, I think they probably just blurred together in my mind. Um, yeah. The only the only reason I know I've seen the American one is because I know one of the guys from That Thing You Do is in that one. So he stands out. Really? To, yeah, the guy, uh, the main guy, the the. Not not the drummer guy, but the singer. I forget his name. Jonathan Sheikh, whatever you pronounce. <laughs> is is he one of the like firemen or something? Yeah, he's the main fireman there. I think. The, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. 
Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll play the trailer for you, and then we will talk about Wreck. Muy buenas noches, les habla Ángela Vidal. Hoy vamos a acompañar a una patrulla de bomberos en su recorrido nocturno por las calles de nuestra ciudad. Voy. Estamos eh, frente a la puerta de la casa en la cual parece ser que una vecina ha tenido algún problema. from 2007 as i said number 144 on our list i'm gonna murder these names so please uh, help me if you if you know them any better than i do uh, directed by juame belaguero or belaguero depending on where the accent is i guess and Paco Plaza. are there two r's at the end no one r and an o with an okay. with an accent on it yeah and then go i guess just normal r and then o Sure. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. It's fine. Um, which I found out as we watched this movie is not a hindrance, but we'll get to that because I think that the tack that they did take became a hindrance. But uh, directed by <laughs> uh, Juame Belaguero and Paco Plaza, written by Juame Belaguero, Luiso Berdejo and Paco Plaza, starring Manuela Velasco, Ferran Terraza. Jorge Yamam Serrano and a very mouthy child. <laughs> Amanda, would you like to tell us what happens in Wreck? I would love to. Late night TV host Angela and her cinematographer are following the fire service on a call to an apartment building, but the Spanish police seal off the building after an old woman is infected by a virus which gives her inhuman strength. That's it. <laughs> That's wow. They... That is probably the most misleading, or yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, mis- misleading is probably the best word for it. The most misleading uh, synopsis that Google has provided me with yet. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they they walk into her place and she's like bench pressing <laughs> seven hundred pounds or something. It's Right. I mean, she's just Bruce Banner. Yeah. If I read that description on the back of the box, I would immediately put it down and get something else. Yeah. <laughs> this is also, a movie. The Spanish police. Yeah. This is a movie about uh, the police in Spain being threatened by a really strong woman, uh, old woman, <laughs> and which I guess is not 
I don't know why that's a thing, but I don't know. But I can tell you, mm-hmm. Clay. Yes. That some things in this movie you might find are mm-hmm. uh, the first recorded Karen video. Oh yeah, big time, big time. Yeah. Interestingly yeah, she's enough, the original Karen. Not to uh, not to cut you off here, but I, I do think it's relevant. Please. That character's name is Madre Hysterica, which I believe translates <laughs> into hysterical mother. <laughs> yes, it does. So it fits. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I wish I had looked that up before this. That's so... I would have used that instead of Karen. That's even better. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what else? Uh, a truly nightmarish condo board. Mm. Mm. Uh, and... <laughs> An extraordinarily unhelpful cameraman. Yes, very much so. If you put the camera down, he, he, he they could probably get out of there pretty quickly, or at least right. Help. There's so so many so many scenes where if he would just put the camera down, it would change everything. Uh, and our final one is questionable parenting. Yeah, always. <laughs> Always and forever in yeah. our hearts. I mean, questionable parents. That that Madre Hysterica there got a lot of people killed because her kid was sick, and all she did was complain about the government, essentially. But we can get into. I that mean, as well. she was going to make a complaint. She was going to complain as soon as she got out. Yeah, she was. What she kept saying. She was looking for any manager she could find to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> it's only too bad that her haircut was so normal. <laughs> um. So this we've we've hit a uh, a double milestone on this episode. This is our first uh, foreign language picture. Oh, at is least, it really? At least I thought it was going to be, and uh, <laughs> it's also our first found footage movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What are your feelings on found footage as a, as a genre when it comes to? I mean, I guess anything, but it's it's so prevalent, or it was so prevalent. In the, in uh, in horror for a long time, that it was kind of hard to to escape. You know, in general, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, I I think I enjoy it the most when it's used like this or like Cloverfield or the Blair Witch, where there's sort of a natural plot point. That just builds in the fact that somebody is recording everything. Sure, sure. Um, I'm less into it in things like the paranormal activity movies where it's just this sort of like most of it's like a stationary camera set up in one or two rooms. And you just like sit with these long like kind of night vision shots where it's just like a like a stagnant mm-hmm. frame. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yes. Um. But I generally, I I don't know, maybe it's because I was pretty young when Blair Witch came out and it was like such a huge thing and felt so revolutionary that Mm. I I tend to, I tend to judge it a lot less harshly than I feel like I, a lot of people I know (coughs) judge found footage movies. Sure. Yeah. I, um, it is the, the. I would say it's probably the most revolutionary change in style that I've witnessed in my lifetime because mm-hmm. as soon as Blair Witch hit, that became the thing to do is, oh, now found footage is a thing. And I get it because um, 
it instantly puts you because because horror movies are are all about uh, the the, fe- the fear that generates is generally due to some level of believability and, and putting yourself in that situation and yeah. found footage really gets right to the heart of that because it puts you literally the camera becomes your point of view completely. And so totally. I can see why it works and I can see why it was so popular because it is, it's a very cheap way to make movies. Um, you know, you knew, mm. ge- ge- at least generally anyway. Uh, yeah. But like, <clears throat> and it was everywhere. Like um, I know that for a time they were even trying to do a, both a Halloween and a Friday the 13th sequel that would have been found footage. And I'm not really sure how either of those would have worked, but, huh. um, but yeah, they were, it was everywhere for a, for a, it felt like a, I guess now in retrospect, a, a finite amount of time where every other horror movie was a found footage movie. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And I always thought that the best ones were the ones that kind of elevated it or changed the approach. Cause I actually, mm. I actually really like the paranormal activity movies because I'm, I'm a sucker really? for, uh, like we talked about on, um, the innkeepers. I'm, I'm a sucker for, for when they just let you kind of marinate in the atmosphere. And, uh, when I saw that in the theater, it, that got me completely. Like I, I totally bought into that movie in a way that huh. I didn't in some other found footage movies. I loved Cloverfield. I thought Cloverfield was great. I loved Cloverfield. Yeah, yeah. I um, I thought the f- I thought the genre was pretty much dead, but um, recently on Shutter they just released a an, a Shutter original called Host, which mm, is you told me about an, this one, yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's it's interesting. It's comparatively interesting to this for a couple reasons. One, because it was uh, <clears throat> they shot it in twelve weeks during the current pandemic that we are in. So it's a ghost story presented to you as though you are watching a Zoom call. Yeah, and it's done very, very, very well. <clears throat> and it's it really kind of took all of the best elements from from this genre that's been around for almost twenty years at this point. And synthesized it into a relevant, really tight movie that's it's less than an hour. It's like 56 minutes. You just get in wow. and you get out, which reminded me also of this movie because this is also a very short movie. It's not even 90 yeah. minutes. It's like a, an hour 15 or something. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds a little bit different, though. It, it almost sounds like the next step right. for found footage where it's this like like you said it's on like zoom or something like a like a zoom video chat thing which is like fundamentally different than cloverfield and blair witch and wreck where right. there is somebody with a handheld camera mm. running around and moving around in physical space and therefore your point of view via the camera is constantly kind of shifting and turning and you never really get like a wide angle panoramic view of anything. You're very limited in the scope of what you see. Right. Which right. is true of a zoom footage thing as well, but it's even more limited because you can't move. Right. Right. And I think that's where a lot of the horror comes from is that is that limiting mm-hmm. of what you can see. Cause it's always about what you can't see that ends up being the scariest thing. And there's actually, there is actually a scare in wreck which they a hundred percent lifted in host, like almost, I almost yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I think what makes Wreck interesting is that 
I I had heard about this movie. This is one I hear about a lot. It's like, oh, wreck! It's so good. It's so blah. You know, it's a great, great movie. I didn't super respond to this and i would like to get into that a little bit more because i think you kind of mm-hmm. felt the same way but um yeah. when this came out this was in 2007 and so you were right in the the thick of found footage movies and right in the thick of zombie movies because zombie stuff like yeah. just took over the the, the uh, early 2000s um i pulled up a list of the just the this is on IMDb the best har- uh, zombie movies f- uh, since two thousand, <clears throat> and so since two thousand we've seen Zombieland, Twenty Eight Days Later, Twenty Eight Weeks Later, Quarantine, Quarantine Two, uh, Resident Evil, Resident Evil Apocalypse, Resident Evil Extinction, Day of the Dead, Diary of the <laughs> Dead, Dance of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead, Fido, Undead. <laughs> Uh, the zombie diary. I don't know. That's very. The zombie diaries is very low rated. I've never heard of that. Um, the crazies, which is not really a zombie movie, but I think it falls under the same umbrella. Um, Resident Evil Afterlife. Uh, Wreck. Wreck Two. I Am Legend. Undead. Pontypool. The Dead. Flight of the Living Dead. It, this wow. is and this is all since the year two thousand. Not to mention eight or nine seasons of the walking dead at this point i was just thinking the same thing like we're not even touching on the walking dead which became such a huge thing right right so uh suffice it to say and also my very own uh first original graphic novel was a was a zombie book that i did uh in around the year 2009 but between 2009 2013 i was working it so that was right in the pocket there too even though i actually predated that zombie boom but that's neither here nor there um so this is right in the pocket of all this stuff and i don't know uh, my response to this i don't know i just it was it, it it wasn't really working on me i don't know if it's because there's so much distance and found it's a really straightforward found footage thing and it's a really straightforward zombie thing and i don't know if those two things together plus time uh just mm. made it not really land for me but i think we both had the same reaction where for most of it we're like yeah this is okay but then when they got to the final sequence that was with the weird like monster lady and the uh-huh. uh the uh in the attic apartment yeah that was all um night vision we were both like oh now this is interesting now i'm into this this is creepy as shit but uh, yeah i don't know how how did you feel about it overall i mean so it's it's so interesting to me because like i said i had seen quarantine before this by a lot like Mm. i i i mean i'm talking if i if i saw quarantine maybe six or seven years ago that sounds about right to me yeah same i would say probably right Um, about the same yeah, so that that was a long time ago, but when I watched that, I actually remember being really into it. Mm. Like I remember really liking it and having it really work for me. And then when we watched Wreck the other night, it just sort of fell flat and I I don't know if it's because these sort of genre tropes that we've been talking about the found footage and the zombies and all of that are just at this point so kind of like old news and a little passe that right. we're all a little um, like 
just like callous when it comes to to these things. Mm -hmm. Um, But also part of my problem is um, (laughs) the version we watched Mm. was dubbed. Yeah, that was a big minus. Yeah. Yeah. And the dubbing wasn't great. And the voice acting maybe would have been fine for other characters, but like, I don't know. It was one of those things where the voices just very, very obviously didn't fit with Mm -hmm. the actors and their sort of like expressions and their demeanors and their physical appearances. Um, And I, I, I have to wonder if that didn't kind of take away from it in a substantial way. And maybe if I had just watched the subtitled version, would I feel a little bit differently? I don't know. It's, it's obviously like, it's all speculation, whatever I, however I think I would feel. Um, But yeah, there was, there were some kind of jarring uh, dubbing moments that were just a little bit like, yeah, yeah, it felt really, um, the dubbing I felt was very distracting. Um, And I mean, it's one of those things where as everything starts to get crazy, you kind of get used to it a little bit, but not really. It actually it it kind of made the whole thing feel to me like an elongated video game cutscene, just because of the way. <laughs> yeah, I can see that the action plus the way the dialogue was being delivered felt really kind of like it had that sort of like uh, uncanny valley feeling to it. Yeah, if, yeah. If you told me this was the beginning of like a, a Resident Evil or a Silent Hill video game, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, because it was a lot of like uh, Chris. Maybe we shouldn't go upstairs into that room. I don't know, yeah. John. You're always saying stuff like that. Maybe <laughs> once in your life. Maybe you just listen to what I'm saying. You know, it, it was just, it felt really artificial. Yeah, and I, feel, I, I wonder if it's part of the problem that I have in general with, um, like, foreign language TV or film when it's dubbed that, like, the the voice actors have to emote extra Mm. because as much as we don't think about this even between like somewhere like the united states and spain which is a western european country we have very different nonverbal styles of communication we have very different body language like you're kind of losing some facial expressions and some hand gestures and and things like that that you're not getting so if you're going to dub it over in English, it's like, well, yeah, her, her sort of like waving her hand in that way or like looking down, like doesn't carry the same weight it might if it were already in English. So it's almost like they had to overemphasize their emotions and their reactions to things to sort of get the point across. It does really lend itself to overacting on the, on the dubber, the, the dubbing voices side. Um, and I, I also do think uh, <clears throat> if you don't know the language that you're that the movie is in and you're reading subtitles, the quality of acting goes up by like fifty percent at least because there's it's yeah, very probably. difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult to tell when someone is speaking in a foreign language to your own whether or not their acting is good. <laughs> right, right. Like, are they using the right tone? Are they speaking right. at the right volume and the right pace? Like, we don't know. It's like the inverse of the English accent effect, where it's if if an actor has an English accent, you automatically go, "This guy's a really good actor." Yeah. So it, if it's 
if it's subtitled in a language you don't understand, you're you're automatically like these actors are really good. I don't know what they're saying, but they they they're I believe everything. I'm convinced. Um, yeah, you know, and I don't dis I don't dislike dubbing in because I dubbing in horror movies is such a uh, a staple of like this a lot of the stuff in the 70s that was coming out of like Italy. Yeah, and so I think like there's a certain. Uh, at least in those movies, I think it works because there's a certain kitsch factor involved at this point because you're watching these movies 35, 40 something years later. Yeah, but absolutely. This being a movie from 2007 with this really awkward dubbing, that when I say awkward, it gets pretty awkward at points where you've got there's an uh, an Asian uh, family living in the building, and the person yeah. dubbing. I mean, I'm sure this is how they delivered the line in the movie. But since it's dubbed, it feels really weird. The person who's dubbing the Asian woman speaking is doing it like two clicks away from Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's. So it's like I don't, I'm sure she's she's not intending to do that. But it's just that like it's an English person trying to do this like broken, broken uh, English via Asian person thing. And it just sounds like someone doing a stereotype asian voice and so it's like all right i don't know if this is really tracking for me but it did make me think though so obviously what would in the spanish version is it an asian person speaking broken spanish because that's the kind of thing that i never consider because obviously i only hear that kind of stuff in american movies where it's someone speaking broken english but that must be kind of interesting to hear like someone who doesn't know the language speaking broken. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I think part of the problem is, is that there's a way to do it that feels authentic mm-hmm. and um, feels, feels like more like another example of realism where this movie takes place in Barcelona. There are immigrants. There mm-hmm. are people who've come from a lot of different places and live there and work there. And so you're going to run into some people who don't speak perfect, like, you know, that specific dialect of Spanish. Because, like, Spanish in Barcelona is very different Mm -hmm. than Spanish in a lot of other places. So I don't think it's, like, offensive or egregious to have characters who are not themselves born and raised in Spain struggle with the language. Like, if you... I speak a tiny bit of Spanish and if you, I've been to Spain and I've made a fool of myself <laughs> so many times over, I'm sure I sound like an idiot. Um, but there's something about the way, like there are certain choices made where she just sort of like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel to me like somebody who's, I live here and I work here and I've learned at least the basics well enough to sort of make myself understood. There's a lot more like, I don't know, the layers to it are just kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm, I'm sure people are getting mad at us talking about all of the technical reasons we didn't like the movie that have nothing to do with the movie <laughs> itself. Let's get into the murder. Sure. Before we get there, though. One other reason <laughs> where I'm, I was curious about whether or not I'm, this might not have clicked with me is mm. um, we are currently, as we record this, 
living through a hastily handled uh, outbreak. Uh huh. Surrounded by people who just don't seem to want to do the thing that you need to do to shut this all down. So it's like I found myself identifying and rooting for the shadowy hazmat guys because I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, man, shut that building down. (laughs) You get in there, do what you got to do. If they're not going to do what you say, you know, quarantine them off and then you just you contain this and you snuff it out. You do what you got to do, man. Like I I'm no longer on the other side of of that equation where I'm like, yeah, oh, it's so scary. All these hazmat guys showing up and just not letting you out of your house. It's like, hey, that's what it takes, I guess, to get this done. And I would much rather they just snuff this out now than we actually have to deal with this on a larger scale. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I totally agree that there's, especially where in this movie, so um, Angela and Pablo is the cameraman, I believe. They are shadowing these firefighters. They get the call to this building, and it's very much framed as, oh, it's just this old lady needs, like, medical assistance. And so we have this to This old go. lady with super strength. <laughs> this old, old Incredible Hulk lady yes. needs medical assistance. Um. So they show up thinking it's going to be this this very mundane visit. And then it turns into, you know, horrible zombie virus where people are turning into rabid monsters and uh, eating each other's faces. Mm-hmm. And then, like, maybe halfway through the movie, from the outside, when they're being quarantined in the building by the authorities, they send in... Um, like a medical professional Mm -hmm. guy in a full hazmat suit who comes in as this sort of faceless, almost like they're kind of trying to set it up. Like he's kind of scary because you don't know who he is and you don't know why he's there and you don't know what he's actually going to do. And then he just like gives the people who've been bitten tranquilizers (laughs) and takes like blood samples. And then he also, gets wrapped into all the attacks and everything gets trapped in there and he takes the mask off and he's a very normal guy and Mm -hmm. he's like i was just trying to restrain the infected people so that we could like contain them and get the rest of you out of here and now everything's fucked yep so even he who comes in as this almost like shadowy government figure ends up also just being a guy who was just trying to do his job, same as the firefighters, mm-hmm. same as the camera crew, like just trying to come in and do his job and and do what he could. So yeah, I think I think that definitely dovetails with like the uh, age we're living in at the moment, where <laughs> yeah, it's like all right, he he seems logical and rational to me. I don't know why you guys didn't listen to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's why that's part of what I found difficult to get into because I, I uh, I'm tired of watching people respond stupidly to this stuff in real life. I don't need to watch this in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> and <clears throat> you know, I, I, well, I mean, I'll save I'll save the rest of this conversation for later. But yeah, it, it's you know, as a um, as a zombie movie, I, I I've seen mm-hmm. plenty of uh, plenty of zombie movies over my over my years, and. Um, I think it works pretty well. Like, if I'm taking my own personal feelings out of it, I think it's pretty good. Just hmm. uh, from a from a filmmaking standpoint, I think they they keep it they keep it um, what's the word? They keep it surprising uh, 
to a, uh, a a good degree because um, you've if if you don't they don't give you any hint even on the poster mm-hmm. and, I, and even in that write up uh, about the the plot what exactly is <laughs> yeah. going on like at this far out yeah. it's like okay we know it's some sort of zombie or, or rage virus thing so we know what it is going in like uh, like if you if you told me uh, found footage movie zombies in a building. I probably could have plotted out roughly 75% of this movie, but not knowing yeah. those two things going in, I feel like it, it keeps you keeps you on your toes a little bit more, starting especially with that that uh, that great bit where they, they the fireman just comes plummeting down through the stairwell. Yeah. Which apparently nobody knew was going to happen. None of the actors oh, knew really? that was going to happen. Yes. Oh, they like aliened them. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did some of that, and they did uh, a little bit of Blair Witch too. Where I guess the the actors were never given the script in its entirety, so none of them knew their characters' fates until like the day they were shooting their scenes. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, uh, except that it meant the other <laughs> actors more often than not were very stressed and nervous and apprehensive on the day of the filming. Oh, <laughs> but, but it worked great for the movie because that stuff just you know it just feeds into the the way everybody's feeling in the situation. Yeah, and it, that that's interesting because, like, as, as you said, like, you can go into this movie without knowing that it's a zombie movie. Mm. Um, and I think that's actually one of the positives of the sort of found footage style, because that was a big thing for Blair Witch as well, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, you know, it's like this small group of people go out into the woods and then question mark. Um and Cloverfield kind of did a similar thing, if I remember the marketing for that movie correctly, mm-hmm. where it was like, you didn't really see what was going on. You just saw a lot of like shaky camera running and heavy breathing and people oh, being yeah. like, no, don't go that way kind of stuff. Yeah, they, um, Cloverfield really, it, they take the Godzilla movie and, and basically just put, make it, they make it more realistic and they put you on the ground so you don't really yeah. see the monster. You're just seeing the devastation. It's, it's really, really well done. Right, and, and and I think that's that along with the, like those movies and this one, where you can go into it and not know from the start, like what is the monster, where did the monster come from, what kind of monster is it? It's one of the one of the compelling things about found footage movies, where you have that limited visual, and so it limits your scope, um, in yeah. a way that makes everything a little more anxiety inducing. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, I do think another thing, um, horror tends to respond <clears throat> culturally, uh, to a certain extent based on what's, what's popular. There, there is a reflection of, of the culture of the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that found footage explodes after nine 11. Ooh, probably bad choice of words. Um, Oh Yeah. <laughs> becomes very popular yeah. after 9-11. Wow, Clay. Because, um, you know, you've got... <laughs> it, it As a concept, it's been around since the 60s. Uh, but between... I'm going off of a Wikipedia list here. Between um, 1961 and 1999, which was Blair Witch, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight found footage movies listed. But after Blair Witch, or I should say, let's ju- uh, there was Blair Witch in 99... St. Francisville Experiment in 2000, um, 
a movie called Gang Tapes in 2001. That's hmm. the only one in 2001. Then you've got uh, one, two, one movie in 2002, then one, two, three in 2003, one, two in 2004, one, two, three, four, five. They just like every year there's multiple, multiple, whereas before 9-11 it was like a couple across 25 years. And I think it's a reflection of how much of that coverage was handheld camera on the ground during devastation. I mean, Cloverfield is a direct yeah. echo of, of that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think there's absolutely like a, a kind of connective line between those two things. And I think you were sort of getting at this where another part of it is as technology has improved and having a, a handheld camcorder back in the late 90s, early 2000s, hadn't it wasn't a luxury item anymore it was something that like normal people in normal families could have and then going even further once we all started getting smartphones and anybody can record anything now Mm -hmm. like you, you can record for a really really long time on a pretty standard like iphone or whatever right um and i think that probably adds to it as well like you could have had you could have had one like like the 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 advances in recording and technology or you could have had a horrific event like 9/11 but it was having both mm. happening around the same time i think is what kind of leads us into this the explosion of this genre what's also interesting too is if you think about where this falls um you get the the meat of the the found footage movement which like the reason the reason found footage i think works or or didn't work that well before blair witch like say between 1960 and 1990 is because the whole conceit is it it's a person actively filming something with a camera at all times and that was just mm-hmm. impractical like it was very hard to yeah. believe i think <laughs> Even yeah, cannibal- especially not somebody who's like moving around and involved in the action. Right. And ev- even like Cannibal Holocaust, the the found footage <laughs> elements of Cannibal Holocaust is only like yeah. 25% of the movie. Like it's it's limited uh times where it's it's not them just holding a camera for the full 2 hours, you know. And right. what I find interesting is that found footage explodes Again, sorry. Uh, sound, sound footage <laughs> as a genre it. comes to prominence b- between 1999 <laughs> and let's say like probably hit its its kind of started burning out like in the in the post 2012 era, like maybe early teens. Like you don't see a ton of them anymore. Sure. Yeah. But so the so the the core of this genre happened before the iPhone. So everything now is, you know, like you were saying, having a camera on you is just a ubiquitous part of life where everybody's filming everything all the time. So it makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. for that to be a believable movie to watch now. But if you think about when these were coming out, that was before this element of life existed. So, but it was still working for some reason. It was still this weird thing where cameras were starting to get 
more integrated because every camera also had a video camera on it. Like you were saying, camcorders became cheaper and they weren't luxury items. But it it's I find it interesting that this this blew up as a genre before this idea that everybody has a camera on them at all times. Yeah, that that is that is interesting. That's that's an interesting distinction to make because yeah, it, it almost makes me wonder why those types of like films aren't as popular anymore. Like I know part of it is that it it is a little bit of a gimmick and it can be mm-hmm. overused or used poorly. Um, and people get tired, you know, people get bored of certain styles and certain gimmicks. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that, that they, they, they did fade out pretty rapidly. Like I can't think of a, a found footage movie that's come out like a, like a major one in the last Mm. like five years. Oh, at least. Yeah. 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 Um, and even host is not the first one to do the Zoom call thing. There's there's a couple other ones called uh, Unfriended, which do a similar huh. um, kind of Skype or, or Zoom call aesthetic. But uh, the thing about that host is so nice, and also this one, is there's no subplot. I, we should have just covered host at this point. We've talked more about that than <laughs> we have wreck. But um, <laughs> there's, no, there's no fat to it. It's There's no subplots to try and bog it down so they can reach 90 minutes or whatever. And I think it's the same with rec where yeah. it just burns right through all of the good stuff as like really quickly. And I don't mean that in a negative way because I, I don't think I need in this movie, it wouldn't have made it a better movie if like there were scenes where uh, the reporter and the fireman develop like, the hots for each other or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, right, right. It's just, it's a, it's a, they stick to the idea that it is a documenting of this insane situation and they just boom, they just go right through it. And if it's only an hour 15, it's only an hour 15. Well, and that makes extra sense in the context of rec because it almost happens in real time. Right. Like, there's some pauses, there's some moments where he puts down the camera or the camera gets shut off or something happens. But generally, like, it, like it, it's generally happening kind of in, like, the hour and change between when they leave the firehouse and when they get trapped in the attic with... Um, what was once a small Portuguese girl and is now a horrifying monster. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. She, she, uh, yeah, she, she became very capable very quickly once she turned into a, a monster. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a lot of questions about the sort of last sequence of this movie. Hmm. Um, I don't know if we're quite ready to move on to that. Well, but. yeah, I would like to move on to that because, you know, we're we're talking about the zombie genre a little bit. Um, and this is a, a post uh, 28 Days Later zombie movie where 28 Days Later, I guess you could say, reinvented the genre by going, what if they're not zombies? They're just like really <laughs> mad. Um, I love how angry this makes you. Well, no, it doesn't make me angry. <laughs> The thing, it makes you, know, you a little the angry. The thing that did make me angry at the time, and I said this at the time, after I saw 28 mm. Days Later, 
I the the first thing I said after the movie was that was great, but I guarantee you the next zombie movie they make, the zombies are going to run. And the next movie that came out after that, I I think was Dawn of the Dead, where they had the running zombies, and I was like, yep, here we go. Um, yeah. But uh, this wreck is like it's this weird kind of mix of stuff that doesn't really make a ton of sense because it's they talk about it being like a rage virus like 28 days later um, right but then later on once you get up into the creepy uh creepy attic with the the great reel-to-reel expo- exposition recorder which is my yeah. my second favorite expository device second only to the magic book i love the magic book it's probably oh yeah those are both great probably not a coincidence that both of those things show up in evil dead but um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> they you it goes from uh rage virus into like this weird heavy catholicism like demonic possession thing and yeah i i don't really know they don't really give you a, a straight line as to what's going on and then this creepy monstrous woman shows up which doesn't seem to track with anything that's happened up to this point (laughs) (laughs) okay so here here's here's my read of of all of that Mm -hmm. um and i agree like like one thing i actually really like that they do at the big not the beginning but like at, at the beginning of the um stuck in the apartment building portion of this movie mm-hmm. is that they kind of slowly over like uh, the course of a few scenes tease out a couple possible um vectors for ooh, how this sickness got into the building who introduced it and what's happening mm-hmm. um there's the old lady that they initially come uh to respond to the firemen uh there's the karen mom the hyster madre hysterical and mm-hmm. her daughter and um baby hysterica uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> no nin- it's perfect nina, nina hysterica nina. la nina um so there's there's them and their dog and then there's the uh the east asian family and the wife is saying my father lives with us. Mm-hmm. He's upstairs. He's he's he can't come down. He's in bed. He's very sick. So you get all of those and then you also get the mysterious like fifth floor apartment that mm. quote unquote no one has lived in. Um but somebody keeps like paying for it or whatever. So you have these like several different possibilities within the first like third of the movie that Mm. you're kind of in the back of your head thinking like is it the dog is this some weird version of rabies is it the dad is did did he get sick and he's passed it on is in some way and this movie like kind it kind of ties them together and kind of gives you like a unified like well, it was something in the fifth floor that probably infected the dog, that infected the little girl, that also did this. Like, th- there's a little bit of a chain you can build. Um, but yeah, when they when they get to that that locked apartment, <laughs> and it's like very very heavy in the Catholic imagery, and like statuettes and crucifixes and rosaries and things. 
there are also all of these newspaper articles that are clearly very old. Mm-hmm. Right? That are pasted up on the wall of, of a little girl in Portugal who is quote unquote possessed. And there are a lot of different articles about her and pictures of her. And then the other things in the apartment also read to me as very old, like 1950s, 1960s. Mm-hmm. Um, like the reel to reel tape recorder, which is maybe more 60s, 70s. I don't know. Um, sure. But it's, in my mind, like the monstrous woman is that little girl. Okay. Like she was taken here and they were doing some sort of experiments on her to try and figure out like what is actually going on with her. How do we stop it? Can we save her? What's going on? And then she gets, she like gets loose and kills the guy who made the recordings and then has just been like trapped in this apartment living there and like ages naturally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that crazy? That tracks, I think. No, I don't think that's (laughs) crazy. I don't know. uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't think you're supposed to necessarily know how that all connects to whatever's happening in the rest of the apartment. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like such a left turn. And I'm sure there's someone who's screaming at us being like, how did you not notice that it says something, something sound? Sound (laughs) seems to hurt them, question mark. Uh, (laughs) But uh, uh, weaknesses? Question yeah, weaknesses. mark. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's it's such a strange tonal shift. Uh, but yeah. but at the same time, I almost don't know what else they could have done for the end of the movie because the 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 it's jacked up to like eleven for most of the movie, and there's really yeah. nowhere else to go. You've kind of topped out on your being chased by zombies through a building element um, that in order to, to, to finish it out, they have to do something different and, and weirder. The uh, switching to night vision, great choice. That's oh, always, so good. always a winner. Um, mm-hmm. other, another case where the cameraman could have been more helpful because he's... Oh, my God. The, the, the reporter's just standing there flailing, and he's like, well, it's a good thing I have night vision. Hey, you look weird. He's not really telling her where to go so much, just sort of like watching her flail a bit. But uh, yeah, yeah. And then there's so many scenes where he's like, shh, be quiet. Don't make a sound. Shut up. Right. Quiet. And she's like, wait, are we supposed to be doing Wait, What's happening? And he's like, be quiet. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> it's like, God. Yeah. And I, I, I find it really interesting, though, that both of us responded so, like, both of our ears perked up when they got to this weird yeah. apartment. <laughs> yeah, they, they get into the weird apartment, and they shut the door, and they get some sort of light on, whether it's the light or the night vision, and they start looking at the weird shit all over the walls and the weird experimental paraphernalia mm. and you and i were both just like okay now we're, now you're talking yeah it's it's it almost like <laughs> it almost becomes a more traditional horror movie at that point where you get more um monstrous stuff that's that's less uh you know th- there's something universal about a, a creepy top floor apartment with a weird like witch lady living in it you know <laughs> 
Yes. That yes, might be that might be connected to some sort of Catholic curse or whatever. Um, but it's like I don't know if it's because the again the, they do the rest of it very competently. Like it is a well done, well structured, well executed found footage zombie thing. But I I yes. wonder if it is because the rest of it at this point seemed so. I don't want to say stock, but it seems it, it is it's it is what it says on the packaging. You know, it's it's as advertised. It's a it's a found footage zombie movie. It's yeah, it's fine. And then you get to this other part, which is very much not that and is very kind of interesting. And they start throwing some weird ideas at you. And that what that seemed to be the thing that I wanted to, to, to dig into more than just watching people running around screaming like you did for the previous 45 minutes or so. Yeah, I know. I I totally agree. And it's yeah, it's really interesting. And I wonder if it's just because there are so many moments in the rest of the film where somebody's been bitten or there's an, there's a zombie in this room or they're being chased up the stairs. And you're a little bit like you're doing that thing that I think most people who are fans of these types of movies do which is you're watching them and you're either internally or externally yelling at them about like what they should do and like where they should go and like no no no, just just leave her like she's handcuffed to the banister she's not gonna make it you're wasting time like you gotta you gotta just go Mm. and then when you get to this like you're going through so much of that for so long and then you get to this scene where it's just the cameraman and Angela, the reporter, and they've been driven to this apartment and they're, they're kind of like, they are stuck there. This is just the hand that they have to deal with. And they have to sort of slow it down and try to be strategic in some way. Mm. And I think that shift also can grab your attention after like, 40 minutes of screaming and 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 running away from you know zombies that are like covered in blood and then you're in this like very atmospheric apartment that is is in and of itself such a tonal shift from the rest of the building right that it it tells you something else is going on here like there's been something you've been missing this whole time right you know and And, yeah i i also wonder it does have a as as uh as you know as i said i I'm, I'm sure you've seen a ton of these as well but as as i've seen more and more of these zombie movies there's one element of them that's always gets flagged as the thing i like the least especially mm-hmm. if it's not done in a very engaging way which is the scenes where people stand around debating what to do and cuz it's just <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. you get to this middle part of the movie where it just turns into people arguing about what the next step is going to be. And it's like, uh, you know, it works to great effect in Night of the Living Dead. Um, and mm. the better the better ones do it pretty well. But um, it's always been my least favorite part because if you don't have any real meat behind those scenes, and I think that's probably where the... the, the the how brief this one is and how lean it what this is actually works against it because those scenes work when you have established character types who are you've kind of lived with for a bit who are now butting heads like in night of the living dead that stuff 
comes to that that stuff comes to a boil after you are you really kind of get a sense of where everybody stands regarding all this stuff you know they want to be in the basement uh these guys want to be upstairs uh there's the race element going on so that's where that stuff really starts to start cooking same with with uh with uh, dawn of the dead by the time they really start getting into that stuff inside the mall you kind of know where everybody stands and you know what these characters are about in this one like you said you know jokingly it feels like a condo board meeting sort of where it's (laughs) people we don't know anything about standing around debating what to do kind of and nobody comes up with any sort of real actionable plan it's just they kind of talk for a little while and then you know the 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 monster that's being sedated breaks out and starts killing people and then it kind of just the ball just kind of continuously rolls from that point on there's no there's no real strategy or or anything after that point um so i feel like yeah mm-hmm. that's where it kind of loses me a little bit because that those scenes work the best when you when you're already invested in the characters and this just doesn't have enough time for you to really be invested in anybody Right. And and the characters, like, like the examples that you used, especially to sort of draw a contrast between them in this movie, that the characters and their different opinions or beliefs on what's the right move to make are almost like they, they, they're almost like they have their own philosophical stance. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Philosophical is maybe not the right word, but but they have like a certain ethos or a certain belief in like the basement is where we should go. Like tactically speaking, it's where we're going to be safest. We can just be quiet and ride this out. Like they have a strategy and, and, and sort of like a thought process behind why they're making this choice. Even if you don't agree with it. Right. Whereas all of the characters in this movie, like don't ever have that. Like, the only characters that do seem to have some sort of like foundational drive are um i don't know if he's a cop or or just like a security guard um but the the guy with the gun who who keeps kind of trying to keep them like no go downstairs go to the lobby that's sure. what they say we're supposed to do sure. like he sort of has his like we should just you know obey the authorities outside um Angela the reporter she has her like don't listen to them no matter what they say keep the camera running we have to record all of this it's important we need these this evidence it's important to document this like that's like a guiding principle and then kind of beyond that there's not really I mean I guess I guess like la madre has like I need to get my daughter out of here mm-hmm but everybody else is just sort of like, what do you mean? What are you doing? Why should we go there? What's going on? Who's that? What's right, happening? And right. it's, it, it kind of just leaves them this kind of loose amalgamation of like figures that then kind of quickly and unremarkably get get cut down and turned into zombies. Oh, totally. Like, I didn't even realize that the the main, the bald fireman guy got killed. Like, they just all start running up the stairs and he's like, go, go. And then the next time you see him, he's a monster. Like I didn't even realize he got jumped or anything, um, right? Which 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 makes sense in the in the context of what had just happened, sure, where sure, he gets yeah. shut out of the apartment without them, and there's a bunch of zombies. Like of of course, but like right. the fact that this movie doesn't 
show you any of that. It doesn't show him sort of preparing for a last stand. It doesn't let you hear him scream. Like, it's just the door closes and then it's quiet and he's out there. Mm -hmm. And maybe when the door opens, he'll be okay. And probably he won't. Yeah. It is interesting because I think the best zombie movies work... um, you know i know it's cliche to say at this point but it's the monsters aren't the zombies the monsters are are the people and it's they're Mm. all about the the tensions that are built in the situation um because the 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 zombies are a slowly encroaching force that are going to destroy everything there's no way to stop them and so all of your tension and, and terror that is not just you know visceral gore stuff comes from watching the people deal with that tension and deal with that pressure but you don't really have that in this because it's not really it's not really a survival movie i guess it's technically a survival movie i guess if i was if i was going to come if i was going to compare them to um amusement park rides i would say (laughs) something like uh night of the living dead or dawn of the dead is like a really good roller coaster where it has moments of you know, tension when you're going up hills and then you go into a bit of a free fall and then there's some times where you get kind of spin around. It's not necessarily the same motion. There's a little bit of a nuance to what's going on and, and the things that you're dealing with. Whereas this feels mm. more like a Tower of Terror type drop ride. Yeah. Where it, it slowly, slowly, slowly brings you up to the top and then it just drops you. Which is not, I'm, I'm not saying one of those is better than the other. Uh, I, I I can tell you which one I prefer, but <laughs> I'm not going right. to say one's better than the other. <laughs> but I, w- I will also stand by my statement the other night that this movie would make an excellent theme for a haunted oh, house. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Like running through this apartment building up and down the stairs, hunting through apartments to try and find the keys to get you out. And like you end up eventually getting corralled up into the attic with the creepy lady in the dark that would be the most terrifying haunted house oh, ever. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, so just to sort of circle back and and, and sort of look at this because this this is a mm. uh, this genre is a different kind of zombie genre than say, um, Return of the Living Dead or Dead Alive, because the the two thousands zombie genre is very specifically in most cases tied to some sort of viral outbreak. Yes. And uh, as, as I said earlier, I, I wonder if one of the reasons why this didn't really land with me is because we are currently living through one of those. And <laughs> yeah. the, the uh, it makes movies like this seem a little bit more quaint. Like, I'm really curious to see how I'm going to react to 28 Days Later when we get there, because I love that movie, but I haven't watched it in maybe 10 years. So my question is, do you think this genre is dead? Because there's always always going to be zombie movies. There's always going to be people come back from the dead movies and all that kind of stuff. But this specific idea of this viral outbreak leads to some sort of monsters and the, oh, what are we going to do? And how's the world going to handle this thing? It feels to me like it's not, it doesn't really have a lot of legs anymore after the year 2020 due to <laughs> everything that has gone on. <laughs> right. Everything that's happened in the year 2020. Um, you know what? I actually disagree. Yeah. <clears throat> I I actually would not be surprised if we started seeing more 
Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, well, because because like you said, like talking about found footage movies and 9-11 like after 9-11 there was this explosion of found footage movies ha, now you where... said it this time you said explosion but... not me all right now all right now i said it now who's insensitive but, but probably me i would never deny that <laughs> <laughs> but 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 like that was a really good point and you know the fact that these that that kind of movie gained prevalence after a horrific disaster where we had you know people people just you know we had we had raw footage of people falling out of the sky mm. because they that was their only escape from the collapsing towers like and right. then we come up with all these horror movies where you have that same sort of you know, it, it's not high quality footage and it's from somebody who was on the ground witnessing this. And I think if that pattern holds true, the way a lot of people are going to process this whole pandemic is, I think, in probably more pandemic style movies. I mean, yeah. obviously I could be totally wrong, but I, I would not be surprised if in, you know, 2022, 2023, 2024, we started seeing like a trickle of them. And then by like 2027, it was like, oh, it's a thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting <clears throat> because, you know, as I said, host is so of the moment. You could, you could not be more of the moment than, than host is as far as horror movies go. And mm -hmm. I, I do wonder, and, and that's, that's interesting because it takes place during this viral pandemic but is very much a supernatural ghost movie so you know what i mean so it's almost like yeah is there going to be a swing the other way where the preferred method of horror becomes more uh supernatural and more uh versus this more real life stuff because again in wreck the thing that we both responded to was when they got to the the creepy attic apartment and they started talking about demons and there was, you know, real-to-real yeah. -real recordings talking about exorcism <laughs> and shit. That's when we responded to this. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the genre plays out. And if you look back, I mean, not only found footage stuff, but, like, you, you had the one-two punch of 9-11 and all of the talk of, like, torture and enhanced interrogation. So, so you end up with found footage virus movies and torture porn stuff all happening like, yeah. in this next 10 years and it's just it was it was an intense it was an intense period yeah yeah that's true yeah well because i i do think one of the reasons why one of the reasons why i love horror movies i think a, one of the reasons why a lot of people find themselves drawn to horror movies are it's a way to channel our anxieties about the world around oh, totally. us yeah absolutely yeah, into into something that's like containable and you can process it and you can like present yourself with an over the top version of the worst case scenario mm -hmm. and sit there as an audience member and say, oh, but I wouldn't go into the basement. I'd be smarter than them. I'd stay out of the basement. I would call 911 and get out of there and I'd be fine. Like sure. it, it's it's a way we comfort ourselves in a way in a weird way by exposing ourselves to the worst possible thing. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I I can tell you personally, yeah. I love uh like David Cronenberg type body horror movies 
And I can tell you that's mm-hmm. a direct result of how much I distrust my own body. <laughs> you, know? <Yeah. laughs> you know, like I, you, I, I see movies like that and I'm like, yep, that's that's terrifying and it's awesome and I love watching it. But in the back of my head, I know it's because it's like that's an inherent fear that I have baked into myself is that all of the things that can go wrong inside your own person. And the same, I think the same goes for, for – uh, for gore and and violence in movies too i think there is a the reason that's so popular is because it's something that you that you are afraid of in real life and you don't want to experience so when you see it it's sort of like a facing your fears uh catharsis element that allows you to kind of revel in this thing you just do not want to experience in real life but it it's it's a safe way to kind of experience it and process that idea without you actually having to you know, walk outside and see someone get their head cut off or something. Right. And it's something you control. Like you can decide I'm going to shut this off. Mm -hmm. I've had enough of this now, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to pause it. I'm going to go make a cup of tea. I'm going to come back after that. Like you are still fully in control of this thing that on some level is deeply frightening. Right. And yeah. it's it's interesting because I, I, I want to talk about this more later on when we do other movies, but because um, we're getting very off topic. But <laughs> No such thing <laughs> but on my on shows. This, I know. Um, but along this vein, I wonder if that's part of the reason why, like, I love the Halloween movies mm. so much. And I know they're not, I know you you know you enjoy them for what they are but you don't have that same like connection or affection towards them that I do mm-hmm. and I wonder if part of that is that you know like I've been a teenage girl who's been home alone and heard somebody outside right absolutely yeah yeah it's just a more visceral fear that like watching a movie like Halloween gives me an opportunity for that kind of catharsis of experiencing it without actually having to go through it. Right. And I, you know, stop me if I veer into any unintentionally sexist stuff, but, um, Uh I, I, I've heard that's a big reason why women do gravitate towards specifically slasher movies. And also on top of that true crime, because I, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in that, group <laughs> most of the people i know who enjoy that uh, enjoy true crime are women and it is it is a very interesting I, i've heard different people talk about the reasons for that and it does seem to all kind of circle around that idea of being able to face something you are actively afraid of uh, and actively concerned about in a in a um controlled setting yeah yeah no i i, I don't think that's sexist at all clay good job Whew. <laughs> You made it through. Let's talk about the little girl zombie now. Yes. <laughs> the little girl no, in zombie all seriousness, with the adult woman voice. Oh my god! But she was so good. She was yes. She was so good. Like I love the setup that she, it's like my daughter is sick and I have to get her to the doctor. She needs antibiotics. We need to leave right now. And you're just like, all right, mom, shut up. This is super <laughs> annoying. And then that, and, and yet then the that, little, yeah. Then the little girl is like, "Mother, I, uh, I don't think that we need to be doing this. I'm just, yeah. a, I'm just a child here, but uh, <laughs> I think I can make decisions for myself. Does anybody know where I can get a black cup of coffee? Yeah, <laughs> I need to do my taxes. <laughs> I just want to play. No, I just want to play with the dog, mother. Where's the dog? <laughs> 
mother. But she's so she that little girl is so good. And the the scene where like the mom is like clutching her to her like, no, don't look at my daughter that way. And then the daughter, she's like, <laughs> like takes a chunk out of her face. And then is one of the zombies running around horrifyingly in this building. I, I, I just loved that. I thought that was a really good use of like having a small child and like, because I, I do think a lot of these kind of movies are always hesitant to kill the kid or show the kid getting mm-hmm. bitten. So kind of having her like off screen already infected and then like slowly getting worse through the whole thing is great. Yeah. I loved it. Worked in Night of the Living Dead works here too. Yeah, that's true. Um, so just to wrap up, this is number 144 on our list. Uh, how do you feel about the placement? Should it be higher? Should it be lower? Should it be off the list? I have a hard time with this one mm. because I, I I can't come up with an exact example, but I like well for instance we recently did um, my wild card the autopsy of Jane Doe. Mm-hmm. If you asked me to watch this movie and that movie and say which one of those was on this list, mm. I would say Jane Doe. Yeah. Yep. So part of me thinks like a little bit like kind of why is this on this list? I feel like the best parts of it kind of come from other movies and mm. there's nothing. I, I I guess it is. It's there just by virtue of being a found footage zombie movie. And one that's like above average. <laughs> Cause, yes. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. uh, that's the <laughs> other thing is there's lots of found footage movies that are just dog shit. Right, and this one is not dog shit. This right. one, this one's actually really fun, and I feel, I feel like we've come down kind of hard on it. Um, but it's not a bad movie by any no, stretch no. for for the for the genre it's in. Especially like if you want to watch something kind of like zombies and kind of like in that general vein, this is a great choice. It's nice and snappy. You'll be through it before dinner's over. Like. Yeah, you can do yeah. you can do a lot worse than this one. Uh whether it's yeah. in the zombie genre or the found footage genre or the horror genre in general. There's you it's I I do think I don't want to say we were unfair towards it cuz I mean you respond you respond to a movie the way you respond to a movie. But yeah, right. I just I think this is I think for me this is just a case of of this one just feeling too dated. Ultimately, if I had to use a catch-all mm. term because it's so much of the era that it was produced, um, like what the, what you're actually watching, the content itself is not dated. It's not like everybody's walking around and with frosted tips and like low rise jeans talking about <laughs> right. Britney Spears it's, or something. It's not, you know, it's not Scream. No, no, it's not that. It's just like the yeah the the novelty of it. I think for me has worn off at this point. Um, well, yeah, and it isn't like like. I'm, I'm just trying to like all of the wild card movies that we've done thus far, the mm-hmm. like four, I think we've done four. The fact that all of those are not on this list and this one is, mm. is what keeps throwing me off. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well this, I would say, yeah, it's, it's a really tough one ultimately to, to say, 
144 is pretty low. Honestly, I would probably, if I'm going to keep it on the list, I'd probably put it, a little, I'd probably put it lower. Interestingly, yeah. uh, 145 is Paranormal Activity. So these two are right back to back with each other, which is which is kind of interesting. But, huh. um, yeah, I... Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would say I would say that that yeah, I would probably move it down a little bit. Um Yeah, I could comfortably put this in like the one seventies, one eighties. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, I think yeah. ultimately ultimately I think it's a good movie. Uh it's just not one that worked for me particularly. Um it had three sequels. So I mean this was like this was like a huge hit <laughs> in in uh in Spain. It actually didn't come out in America until after quarantine came out, interestingly. Um, but overseas it was huge. I believe if I remember correctly, I believe the second one is supposed to be very good. I could be wrong, but, uh, I've, I feel like anytime it comes up in conversation, I hear, oh, rec two is awesome. So I might have to go visit, visit that at some point, but I, I'll be honest with you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's definitely not the third one, which I read the synopsis of, and it sounds batshit insane. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I watched the trailers for 2, 3, and 4, and I got to tell oh, you, God. they all looked more interesting to me than the first one. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, the third one is like, the second one is is another found footage movie, but it involves like a SWAT team and a priest coming into the building and it's it looked nuts it's aliens yeah it's basically it seems like it's aliens essentially um the third one is like half found footage half regular movie and takes place at a wedding and it involves like the bride of the wedding wielding a a chainsaw in her wedding dress which i mean sign me up for that yeah (laughs) and then the fourth one is on a boat and that one's just a straight, you know, regular movie movie, you know, not found footage, traditional narrative. And even that one, I was like, well, I don't know. This one looks like it could be kind of good. Like, it, I, I don't know. I, it, this, I would be curious to watch at least one of the other ones just to see if I come out going, yeah, I like this one a lot more than the first one. Well, maybe we can make a Patreon That's episode true. about it. That's true. If we ever, I, my first plan for the, for the, I, I was... I figured the first thing we would do was Friday the 13th because none of those yes. movies are on our list. And oh that will God. that will keep us occupied for literally a year. So <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll see what we get to and what we don't get to. <laughs> I think unfortunately I'm going to I'm going to leave the the future choosings of franchises up to up to the patrons. Um mm. And I don't know if if the Rex series is going to be as high on the list as say Halloween or or Nightmare on Elm Street or something, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's some really hardcore Rex fans out there who are willing to throw us a couple bucks a month to be able to be like, you're going to review our whole series. Hey, why not? I'm you know, as Winston Zeddemore once said, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say, or I'll do anything you say. So. <laughs> Um, that's going to do it for rec. I hit the, uh, randomizer and continuing our trend of shortening our titles into just a couple letters. Next time we will be doing number 42, which is 2017's it. Ooh. Yes. I'm excited. I am too. I have a lot of thoughts about that movie. So... (laughs) 
Th- that this will be a fun <laughs> one to talk about, I think. When you said shortening into initial or shortening the titles, I was like, oh, he's talking about VHS. We're going to do VHS. No. <laughs> Interestingly, okay. I did look that up, though, as we were talking. VHS, uh, all three VHS movies are done by like 2015, which VHS is kind of like the last gasp of the of the found footage horror thing. If you think about it, yeah. like, that's the last thing I can think of that that really made use of that before host, really. Um, huh. So, yeah, it's it's interesting that it kind of it has a very limited shelf life. But uh, yeah, uh, but it it, it. is forever. Uh, so thanks guys it's forever thanks guys Uh, uh, if you like what you heard if you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes that would be great if you want to check out any of the other shows we do under our big Penske File umbrella we have the main Penske File show where uh, co-host Wes and I talk about Star Trek we've got Real Ripe and Real Rotten where we do the highest and lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes uh, movies of actors and directors um, I've got we've got the badass podcast for myself and DC Comics artist Sean Murphy talk about Batman the Animated Series. We got a lot. We're doing a lot of stuff. So yeah, if you like hearing people talk at you about things you've watched on TV, we got you covered. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks guys. Thank you, Amanda. Of course, thank and, you, Clay. Uh, oh, you're very welcome. And we will see you <laughs> next time. Bye, everybody.